Hello and welcome to the Barrel House Podcasts, supported by a bit of dosh from the Arts Council Purse, a series of seven jolly podcasts made with love, tenderness and Matt Harvey. They're especially going out to our audiences who miss the Word Cafe, which used to happen once a month upstairs at the Barrel House in Totnes. There you go. There's my intro. I'm almost overwhelmed with, with nostalgia this time. I've heard this <laughs> it moves me more each time. Don't know what to do with myself. Well, it's really nice to be here. Thanks, Julie. It's great to have uh, Nick and Rachel with us. I think it's my duty as as co-host to do a warm-up poem, which is partly to warm myself up. Um, it's, it's to warm all of us up, mainly our listener. I've chosen a poem. It's, again, it's just it's just old times. I've chosen a poem about a streaker. Yeah. It's inappropriateness, really. I met a, I met a streaker some time ago. He was quite a famous streaker, streaked all over the place. And it made me examine my true feelings about streaking. And I realised, even though I wrote this poem kind of in his honour, that I slightly disapproved and judged his approach. He, he streaked all over the world. And he had the URL of a gambling website on his back to help him pay his fines. It just felt wrong. So anyway, celebrated <laughs> male streaker... Getting a bit judgmental towards the end, sorry about that. Jiggly jokery, giggly blokery. He's an artful jammy dodger with a bibbly bobbly todger. <laughs> it's a wanton bit of wobbling, spontaneous life modelling, a cheeky bit of protocol, a unilateral photocall that reminds us we are humans. It's a chance to use your zoom lens. Then curious catharsis as he puts the arse in narcissist. But it isn't for the insecure and nor for the incontinent. You really have to be cocksure, thick-skinned and ultra-confident. So don't streak if you're peaky or recovering from surgery or if your nooks and crannies have a fair degree of verdigree. <laughs> don't streak if you're angry. It's important to be dangly. Streaking <laughs> through a nudist camp, technically, is jogging. But if you put your togs back on, you're what's known as a streaking tom. Never street near welding gear, churches, mosques or synagogues. Never do it anywhere you think there might be sniffer dogs. <laughs> but once you've streaked at Aintree, the Tour de France and Barcelona, worn your birthday suit at Ascot and the bull run at Pamplona, done double faults at Wimbledon before Miss Cornacova, you must begin to think perhaps your hobby's taking over. And maybe you have crossed that subtle line between waving your organ of intimacy and simply being one yay oh, yay thank you matt yeah. harvey that was very, awesome thank you very judgmental towards the end isn't it really difficult i hadn't uh, noticed i just laughed a lot <laughs> <laughs> that's that'll do that's very nice hello rachel klein Hi. um right listeners out there uh, rachel is a poet actor a jolly good wag during her time in the acting profession she worked with some of the greats, including Victoria Wood. I was dead impressed. But I met Rachel on the poetry scene, where she certainly brings not only good old-fashioned stagecraft, but depth, presence, and a beautiful intensity. Roselle Angwin says, Klein's poems are as earthy, rich, feral as the landscapes she writes about. Woven through all of them, is the theme of digging to the bedrock, the bones of human, of land. 
She also gives her time freely to sound art radio, playing characters from a small child to a dog to the most <laughs> most captivating of human studies. So, so subtext, play, humour are indeed her strengths. Thank you, Rachel Klein. Wow, what an intro. Thank you, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am going to take on a character voice. Nick and I swapped a poem each, so I'm going to start with the poem that what he, Nick wrote. Okay. And um, just imagine I'm a small boy. <laughs> and it's called First Like. You were seven. I was seven. You were heaven, but I wasn't noticed. You were noticed, though, with your eyes big as bin lids, brown as conkers, as thin as a bike, with a face that launched a thousand rubber ducks in my bath. Scent of Carly, skin of Caramac, and as cool as a 99. I love the way you said nougar instead of nugget. That was so posh. I gave you a dandelion. And you dropped it right in front of me. And that still hurts now. I'd even stop playing off-ground tip just to watch you skip. Even now, I still wonder. But I know you don't, because you never once noticed me. Oh, big R, everybody. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm going to go and follow it up with a child, a, a poem about a child from my um, pamphlet, Girl Golem. It's kind of, I was doing my childhood, but it, I promise you it, it's not, well, obviously it's not true, but there we go. Anyway, this is called Spicing It Up. We'd always wanted a girl, but you weren't the kiss curl kind. Grubby need nose picker. You tore the frocks grandma made you. You answered back. Couldn't have that. You dimpled nicely, though, when pressed with a finger. And grandma had big teeth, which she kept in a pocket. So we told her to snip them in and popped you in the oven. You were never sweeter than in that pie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I thank you for reading those words of um, Roselle Angwin from many years ago. Um, and in fact, I, I'm switching the mood entirely because I thought I finished with something about beauty and how you can find beauty in even the bleakest situation, bleakest experience. So it is about the land, this one, and it's based on a walk I did last month. Dank. Everything you need to know in that one word about the stare of sheep from a sodden field with yellowing glass that glistens. About cronk of raven through the fog, a lone dog straining its leash, the spattered coat of its owner. About the luminous green of moss in the lane centre, sepia mash of mud and leaf plastering its edges, and fields of bleached sedge echoing with toot of coot and the quiet tree line, a chitter of wren as it flits into bramble, the arch of dead branch that dips into the ditch. 
everything you need to know about November. Thank you. Oh, I love that. That was amazing. The language in that is just sublime. Thank you. Yeah, really beautiful. Gorgeous. The sepia mash of modern youth. Mm. By the way, I'm, I'm going to mention books later. Have you got a book out, Rachel? I yeah, I have a pamphlet called Girl Golem, which is about my migrant background and Jewish background. Yeah. And the golem was um, a mythical creature. It's like a Frankenstein's man made by the rabbis of Prague to protect the Jews of, from persecution. So it's it's kind of got a lot of that in it. Yes. Where can people buy it, Rachel? Um, it the, it, it's forward.org, which is the number four with word attached to it. Brilliant. Okay. Cool, thank you. Um, I would like to introduce Nick formally at this point. Hello there. Very Hello. nice to be part of this gang. Good to be here, Nick. I, I want to say a few words about you. You describe yourself, or someone does, as poet, writer, word pillager, which I really like, um, and also the world's best bingo crawler. <laughs> Tra trapped in a poet's body. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to speak of you now in the third person. Nick, Nick Degg is a potteries poet who crafts words with the dexterity of a sausage knotter. <laughs> Indeed, it has been said that some of his poems actually taste of pork. He was in punk and indie bands in his youth, edited a football fanzine throughout the 90s, continued always to write uh, short stories, snippets, bits of poetry, and as recently as 2015, entered his first poetry slam, which was a revelation bringing back the thrill of being on stage without the need to cart equipment about. Performing all over the place until, of course, the privations visited upon us by the COVID. Um, his first book, this is the I wanted to end with, first book, A, a Cup of Teeth, came out in August. So this is the debut poetry collection from Nick Degg, full of uh, uh, long, short, funny, sensible poems. I just wanted to say, because I hadn't, re I wasn't that familiar with your work, Nick, although we're Facebook friends for who knows how long. Mm. So I went and, and listened, and I just really loved I was listening to... Um, I was listening to, you might even be sharing some of this. I was listening to, I think, the, um, the Lights Gone uh, Out, Northern Powerhouse. I, I come from a town. And it was just, it was just mm. gorgeous stuff. And so uh, welcome, Nick Degg. Thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, I'm Nick Degg, and uh, I've got three poems, two of which are mine. And I'll start with um, a poem which indeed is a love poem, really, because it's about something I feel very, very fondly about. And it's the poem I do normally when I'm in a pub full of um, rock and rollers, and it's a bit noisy. And I tend to do this one to uh, chill them out a bit. And this is a poem called Crisps. Monster Munch and kettle chips and savoury tomato spaceships. Skips and snaps and bacon fries and frazzles that dazzle and water the eyes. Chipsticks, what's it, cheesy puffs. Potato corn maze and other stuffs. Tense say taste sensations on your tongue. It feels so right. Oh, it's just so wrong. Crispy crisp and crunchy crunch. Just one bag with your lunch and you squeeze the bags in the shop to find the one that's full to top. We all do it. And did you know that a barbecue beef hula hoop makes an ideal crouton in oxtail soup? Oh, yeah. I need some crisps. I need them now, flavoured pig or cheese or cow. Open the bag and breathe it in or pop the top off a Pringles tin. Savour the flavour, do us a favour, lend us a quid, I need a quaver. 
wrist. I love you. There we go. There's a little love poem. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> One of one of my favourites. I love that. Oh, poem. you've got to have a bit Thank of fun you, in your Nick. life. Now we're gonna uh, <laughs> we're gonna switch the mood now because, as Rachel mm. mentioned, we um, we did a poem swap, and this is the book of COVID because obviously this year it's been an absolute stinker, hasn't it? But there is hope. There is hope. So this is the book of COVID. Nation shall turn against nation for the last macchiato, and people will slaughter each other with a hug. Neighbour will smite neighbour for a dog biscuit, and children beat their playmates for a bar of Snickers. Yea, it shall be so until the last can of beans, which will be worth more than a house, and the rich will skulk in bunkers with bodyguards who know which side of their bread is buttered. Then neighbour shall join with neighbour for solace, and townsfolk swap coats with each other, and we shall shop and cook for one another. On Wednesdays and alternate weekends, we shall plant seeds together in towns and cities, knowing we prepare a bed fit to lie in, and we shall rest in it alongside each other, and survive another season that is unrecognisable, and shall be known by another name. There we go. That's Rachel's. Ooh. Mm. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, lovely. Okay, so the uh, the third poem, there is a bit of a story behind this. Um, I was great friends with a poet called the Trent Vale Poet, and when we started doing things together in Stoke and around Cheshire, we were regarded as maybe, you know, a bit, uh, a bit naughty. But um, we were we were driving back from a poetry night in Congleton and we saw this lad and he was running across the road with a bag, semi-transparent bag, full of our favourite tipple. So I jokingly said to him, what we should do is we should nobble him and nick his ale because there's no way anybody would believe you could get mugged by two poets. And we had a, we, we had a <laughs> laugh about it. And a few weeks later, I wrote... Um, I wrote a poem called The Badass Mothers of the Poetry Circuit, and this is he. He looked up at the policeman, dazed and confused, relieved of his late-night special brew stash by two wordsmiths with iron fists and velvet voices. Did you see your assailants? Can you describe them with the local? What did they say? I saw them all right. They were all corduroy and duffel coats. They both had glasses on and looked like bad teachers. They weren't from round here. From Stoke, I think. One of them said, give us your special brew or we'll break your armitages. And the other said, give us your cans or we'll duffy you up. Do you think they could have been poets, said the PC. <laughs> they didn't speak in rhyming couplets. Not all of them do. Some poets use villanelles, haikus and quatrains. Actually, now you come to mention it, one of them did say, The sky tonight is like talcum powder droplets on a black marble bathroom floor. Its depth goes beyond infinity and spreads into the sunken double darkness that swallows cometeorites and the sulfoclanicals, nitrogloops and blistered oceans of speculation spurt arid waters back into vortexial colloids before imploding to become doom showers that echo for millions of years. 
No, I think you're right, said the PC. They wouldn't have been poets. One of Palestine. There we go. Yay! Yay! Wonderful. That's really satisfying stuff. Hi, cheers. Thank you. Thank you, Nick Degg. So now we're we're on to the point of the of the podcast where we just ask you questions about your lives and your thoughts and your insights. Oh yeah, yeah. What are those bad, bad ass questions you got up your sleeve, Matt? <laughs> I'm going to start with the start with the hardest ones first, right? Have you had over this difficult, difficult year any new insights into either yourself or human beings generally? Okay. Yeah, well, not new, but maybe um, they've intensified. You know, we've well, I think I've got an insight into how why people are acting so dreadfully. Uh, whilst also being heartened by the amount of kindness around locally. I just think that people are so frightened and angry, they don't know how to deal with it. They're so overwhelmed. They're just acting out in all sorts of ridiculous ways. So I, I just don't get caught into being um, critical about people who are being angry and behaving badly and stuff. They just don't know any better. And it's just a way of responding to fear, I think. Right. Yeah, I, I, I just wish we could go back to those first few weeks of the lockdown where everybody was really polite, everybody was really respectful. And when you were walking the streets, everybody at that time was going about the business, doing their exercise, and people were nodding and observing the distances. And, you know, I thought to myself, this is like being in the 50s or 60s again. It was just, it was really nice, and it, it gave you great hope. But over the last couple of months you know i mean personally i've lost my job and various other things have happened and it's all turned a bit sour but when the weather was nice and that first few weeks of lockdown it was a really really nice place to be this world was yeah it made me think about what it was like for people when the war broke out too yeah. the suddenness where everything changed but i think it's more yeah. like you know, and also I think about that the war went on for five years and, and, and we're only a few months in and we've had a second lockdown. And by this time, people were worn down, battle weary and at the end of their tethers. So we've got to find a way to keep our pecker up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, we haven't quite had the resilience that I personally thought that we were beginning to find and show. We seem to. Yeah, that seems to have drained away to a, to a considerable extent. Have there been any behaviours that have kind of grown or, you know, it, for myself, there are certain kind of, some negative behaviours I've discovered in myself, over-eating and over-drinking, to name but two. Other behaviours might have come to the fore. Have you noticed any quirky, strange developments in yourself? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I get to spend a lot of time on my own in the house because my wife's at work and I'm just sitting here writing and, and doing whatever I can. And I suppose really it's just given me time and a bit of peace, which is nice after many, many years of constant working. So, it, you know, it's given me an outlook, which is perhaps a bit more, where I can value time a bit more, perhaps that's uh, that's pretty important, really. I've always good. lived on my yeah. own, so you know, it, it, I'm used to it. And also, at my age, I'm not being out there very much. So, it, it, but I think it was at the beginning. Um, I felt my age because in that first couple of weeks before the complete lockdown, it's like things were changing by the hour. 
and my mind, my brain couldn't keep up with it and having mm. to try and plan and then replan an hour later as to how I, which were my most important needs and things like that. And then you quickly adapt and you start to have a routine. I'm afraid we're running out of time, gang. Um, I just want to say a huge thank you to Rachel Klein, Nick Degg, and Mr. Matt Harvey. Thank you all for being on this podcast. For, pleasure. Um, the it's Baron been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, gang. Can you hear sound? Ear to the ground.